Well, guys, we are well into our series uh, that we started this fall, and the title of this series is Doubt in the Storm. And it's a series of dealing with times in our life where um, we're, we're just hanging on for dear life. And it seems like God doesn't even care. And so we, we've been going through different stories of Jesus interacting with different people, sometimes his disciples, sometimes other people. And these people, you know, some of them were doubting. Some of them were lacking faith. Some of them were going through special circumstances in their life. And we've been trying to extract and learn from these stories things that we can apply to our own life. And, and hopefully that has been happening for you. I know that it's been really helping me to work through these stories. But last week we started a story that we're going to be picking back up today, and believe it or not, we're not going to finish it today, we're going to finish it next week, but we're going to wrap up a certain portion of it today, and then next week we'll wrap up the whole story. But if you remember last week in the story, we started out with this desperate man, this man who was a synagogue ruler, and his daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying, he was on the brink of death, and, and he came to Jesus, he fell down on his knees, and he said, Jesus, please, please come to my house lay your hands on my daughter so that she can be healed. So they headed off, and suddenly, in the midst of this story, a desperate woman shows up on the scene, and it's like this desperate man gets set to the side, and she takes center stage, and Jesus starts to address her. So we're going to continue on with that desperate woman in today's sermon. So why don't we uh, turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to read up what we finished up last week. Uh, Mark chapter 5, starting verse 21. I'm not going to have it on the screen behind me, so if you don't have a Bible, just listen to me read. If you do have a Bible, you can follow along. All right, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, "'My little daughter is dying.' Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes... I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So here we have in the story that we looked at last week, this woman shows up, she sneaks behind Jesus, and she reaches out and touches his cloak, and instantly she was healed of her suffering. And this week I had you do some homework. I wanted you to read the story, to meditate on the story, and I wanted you to really ask the Holy Spirit, what does it mean in our life to reach out and to touch the cloak of our unseen Lord. I mean, because Jesus isn't here in person. He's not here in flesh and blood. So we can't run up and touch his cloak in person. So what does it mean to do it? You know, what does it mean for us to reach out and touch our unseen Lord's, the hem of his garment? How do we do that? And, and I ask you to just really ask the Lord what that looked like. And, and I have to say, I'm a little overwhelmed with how many people responded and how many plugged into the homework and really engaged with the passage. And I was just, I was, thought it was so awesome. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. Just, and some of the insight that you guys gave was just absolutely brilliant. And so thank you for taking the time to do that. But anyways, this woman, as we are told, was set free from the suffering she endured for 12 years. 
and she could feel it. I love that it says that. She could feel it in her body. Talk about an awesome thing. Twelve years of suffering in her body, suddenly she's healed, and she can feel that in her body. She can feel the healing in her body. The shackles of suffering had been taken off, and she was now free. And now... She can just go merrily, merrily on her way. I mean, she got what she came for. She touched the garment. She's healed, and she could just sneak back out, and she could go back home without anybody knowing anything different, or so she thought. Verse 30, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And so he turned around in the crowd, and he asked, who touched my clothes? Apparently, somebody did notice. Jesus noticed. She reaches out and thinks, oh, if I just touch his garment, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to find out. And she touches him. She gets healed. And Jesus stops. And he turns around and goes, who touched my clothes? He noticed. He, she got caught in the act in a sense. It's kind of like you husbands know exactly what this is like. You know, when you go through the drive-thru with your wife, and you've kind of been snacking all day, so you're not that hungry. So you just go, hey, I'm just going to get a burger. And your wife says, honey, I'm getting fries. But if you want fries, get your own fries, because I don't want you eating my fries. And you're like, honey, I'm not fine. I'm just going to have, you know, a burger. I don't need any fries. And so you get going, and you're eating your burger. And once you're done with the burger, there's your wife's fries there. And you're kind of like, those do look kind of good, you know. And so you're cruising along, and you're like, if I just sneak a few out, she's not going to notice. So you're like, oh, look at that. Johnson Creek Outlet stores out there. And, you know, you get her to turn, and you snack a few, and you snack a few. Next thing you know, what always happens? Did you take some of my fries? They always catch it. They always catch it. So don't think you can get away with it, husbands. It always happens. Just get your own fries. Not sure what that has to do with the story, but this woman thinks she can get away with it. She thinks that she can just sneak a healing in and run out of there and get out of there, but Jesus notices it. Jesus is in the midst of this crowd of people, and like it says in Luke, that passage we looked at last week, this crowd is so big, it says that they were almost crushing him. Is that bad? And this woman, thinking that she could do this all in secret, reaches out, touches his cloak. And not his body, mind you, his cloak. She touches his cloak. Suddenly, Jesus feels the power go out for him. And have you ever thought about that? What do you think that was like? I mean, what do you think Jesus experienced? Do you think he was just like, all right, let's go to this little girl's home. Let's see what's this. Who touched my cloak? Do you think his back, like, batteries ran out and he started talking slow? What do you think happened? Any ideas? You're like me. You have no idea, do you? Yeah, I have no idea. Some people in first service said they, they think he suddenly just got exhausted, like, Ugh. or some people just like they felt like a, a little just drop in energy or something like that. I don't really know, but I, I know, you know, it's, it's kind of like when, you know, you're in the house and mom plugs in the iron and the lights go, something is drawing from the power and something drew power from Jesus and he sensed it and he goes, who touched my clothes? Okay? Who touched my clothes? Now, I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think how strange of a question Jesus just asked. Who touched my clothes? Because this is a crazy situation, and to kind of set it up, I want to kind of explain it. Let's, let's look at this picture right here. Ladies, who, who is this? Tom Cruise, like he thinks he's so awesome. This is Mr. Tom Cruise with the shades on. But notice how the crowd is acting around. They're all trying to get selfies with him. They want to get pictures of him. They want to be around him. And why are they doing that? Because he is a what? He's a celebrity, exactly. 
Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think when this picture happened, when Tom Cruise was walking through that crowd, do you think that there might have been people who were trying to reach out and touch him? Absolutely. It's Tom Cruise. I'm sure like a lot of the ladies were like trying to reach out and touch Tom Cruise and say, I touched Tom Cruise with my own bare hand. It's awesome. I haven't washed my hand for six months because of that, but it's just I touched Tom Cruise. I'm sure people were wanting to touch him. So in all reality, let's look at a picture here of Jesus. I couldn't find a picture, a real picture, so I had to use this one. But Jesus is experiencing the very same thing here. Jesus is a celebrity. By all accounts, he's a celebrity. But Jesus is more than just celebrity status. He's so much more. In fact, he blows our current celebrities out of the water because not only is he a well-known public figure, he's someone who has healed countless people. He's performed incredible miracles. I mean, mind-boggling miracles. And I mean, Jesus is known all over the place for his amazing supernatural life. And not only that, his amazing claims. He is, he is claiming to be the Son of God. And when a celebrity with that kind of status walks through the crowd, imagine what that crowd would have acted like. I'm sure people were pressing around him. In fact, what I thought we could do this morning is we could just kind of act it out so we could get a visual picture of what this would look like, okay? Now, I know when you come to church and you sit down, you don't want to be bothered. You don't want to lose your seat, but I'm going to ask you to do that. Those of you in the middle, if you could stand up, and I want you guys to fill up this center aisle. I mean, fill it up to the brim. And those of you guys on the edge are kind of like, I'm not getting up. Don't make me move. Get up. Fill it in. Fill it in tight there. Okay, now take a peek at that crowd right there. This is what it would have been like for Jesus when he's coming through. So Jesus comes through this crowd, and he's trying to get to this little girl's house. So he's, he's pressing through, excuse me, guys, there's a little girl that's dying. I need to get to their house. Guys, excuse me, excuse me, you know, just, I get, there's a girl dying. Now, stop here for a second. I'm just Luke Dye. You guys couldn't care one little bit about me, but imagine I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. How do you think you'd be acting as I'm coming through? Hey, guys, excuse me, guys, excuse me, excuse me. Who touched my clothes? Who just touched my clothes? Do you see how stupid of a question that is? Find your seats. Excuse me. This is kind of rough here. It's kind of a silly question that Jesus asks. In fact, it's so silly that even the disciples... Ask them, they say this in verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask, who touched me? The disciples are like, Jesus, seriously? You're asking who touched your clothes? I'm sure hundreds of people have touched your clothes. Why in the world would you ask that? And what's so special about your clothes anyway? It's not like it's a Versace cloak or something like that. It's just clothes. And, and it's interesting because, you know, Jesus didn't tell his disciples that power had been drained from him. We know that because the passage tells us that, but he didn't tell his disciples that. He just simply says, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And so the disciples are probably like, what in the world is he asking that dumb question for? Of course people have touched his clothes. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? 
But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't know who it was. Now, some of you might disagree with me because you think that maybe Jesus knew everything. He's the Son of God. He came and he could pull out the God card and be like, hey, who is this? But I personally think that Jesus came as a man. He was fully God, but he was fully man. And he lived out his life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, apparently in this situation, the Holy Spirit had not given him insight as to who had touched him. And so, because he didn't know, he kept looking around to see who this person was that did it. He would not let it go. You would think that maybe at some point he'd just give up and say, well, I don't know. I don't know who it was. Let's just keep going. But he didn't. He kept looking. Now, let me ask you a question, Whitestone. Why do you think Jesus had to know who it was? Why did he have to figure out who touched him? Any suggestions? Okay, so he maybe felt her energy. Aaron? Okay, that's a, that's a suggestion I hadn't even heard of before. Some people, everybody's touching him, but suddenly one person touches him and pulls a face, so he wants to know who that is. That's a good point. Anybody else? After that one, nobody wants to try. His... Okay, his mission was always to bring people to faith, and she showed faith, but he wanted to bring even more of it out of her. Exactly, great, great answers, guys. And, and like I said, we don't really fully know, but here's why I think Jesus wanted to find out who it was. Because Jesus wasn't so much interested in performing miracles, he was more interested in developing relationships. Jesus wasn't just interested in showing up on earth and performing miracle after miracle, miracle. No, he was interested in people. If all he cared about was miracles, then what he would do is he'd say, okay, guys, everybody in this line or row, put put your hands up, okay? You guys are all sick. I'm going to come down. I'm going to heal you. And everybody right here, raise your hand. Go ahead. Raise your hands, guys. And I'm Jesus, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, okay, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. We're all good. Yep, everybody, wow, we're making healed. The next line, line up. I'm going to get through here, and we're good, good. You're healed, and you're healed. All right, next line, line it up. Let's go. If that's all Jesus cared about, that's how he would have done healing. He'd have just high-fived everybody and gone through the crowds. But he didn't. That's not what Jesus did at all. Jesus, wherever he went, he, he laid his hands on people. He, he deliberately performed his healings, and he would reach out, and he would touch the blind man, and he'd touch his eyes. He'd reach out, and he'd touch the leper's skin. He'd, he'd bend over, and he would pick up the small child, and he would bless him. And he'd look people in the eye and he'd put his hand on them and he conveyed his love to them. He wanted people to meet him, to encounter him, to begin a relationship with him, not just experience a miracle. And he was not okay with this woman just sneaking up and using his power for her healing and then going on her way. He wanted to meet her and he wanted her to meet him. And so he searched for her. And I love that. I love that it says that he searched for her. Because here's the truth that we can garner from that, guys. Jesus pursues us for the relationship. It's not the other way around. Believe it or not. 
It's him who pursues us. It's like that verse says in the Bible, it says, we love him because what? Because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Listen to me. Here's the truth. You need to hear this. If it weren't for him coming after us, we wouldn't know him. We just wouldn't. He is the pursuer. And I just love that. He's pursuing this woman, and he isn't going to let her just get lost in the crowd. Verse 33, it says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, he told, she told him the whole truth. This woman, knowing what had just happened, knowing that God's power had flowed through the cloak and into her body and fully healed her, healed her. she came to Jesus and she fell at, at, at his feet. And trembling with fear, she tells Jesus the whole story. From start to finish, she tells Jesus the whole story. Notice those two little world, words, the whole truth. She tells Jesus everything. Everything. Now, I don't know for sure, but to me, it would have seemed like this would probably be a long story. This woman had suffered for 12 years, and she falls down before him, and she tells him the whole truth. Because she wants Jesus to know what he's done for. She wants Jesus to know what he did that doctors could not do. She wants Jesus to know the darkness that she'd encountered and endured for so long. She wanted Jesus to know all the wrong and stupid things that she did to be freed from her suffering. She wanted Jesus to know how amazing it was to finally be free, to be freed from suffering, to be freed from the judgment of others, to be freed from the isolation, to be freed to be able to go and worship with other people, freed to, to finally give glory for what he'd done you know, in, in her body. She wanted to tell Jesus everything. She needed to tell Jesus everything. All the ugly truth of her life, as well as the beauty of this newfound freedom. And like I said, guys, I'm confident this would have taken a long time. Every year, we have Anniversary Sunday here at, in, at church, and Anniversary Sunday um, people come up and they share personal testimonies. And every year, I get up here and I say, guys, keep it to three minutes max. Three minutes max, okay? And every year you ignore me. You want to know why? Because you want to tell the whole story. And sometimes it's impossible to keep a story to three minutes. Imagine 12 years worth of stories. Imagine how long that would be. She would, if she came to watch, and she'd take up the entire service. Now, that's just a little nugget of truth I want us to hang on to because it'll be important next week. But I wonder as she comes to the end of her story, I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder if she thinks that Jesus is going to chew her out. I wonder if she thinks that she's in trouble for doing what she did, for bypassing meeting face-to-face -face with Jesus and just sneaking him behind to get healed. I wonder if she thinks Jesus is going to say, listen, that's nice and all, and thanks for sharing, but you are not allowed to just come in and touch me and take my power without asking. That is not okay. Now get out of here. I, I, I wonder if she was thinking that. I don't know. It does tell us that she was trembling with fear. So who knows what she thought or what was running through her mind, but as we will see, that certainly isn't what Jesus did in fact, he does just the opposite. And you know, there's something that we can learn from that. And I just love this about Jesus. 
You know, when we come to Jesus with all the ugly truth of our lives, He doesn't reject us. In fact, He offers us the beauty of His acceptance. You know, in the first sermon of the series, I shared of a night in August where I was a mess. I mean, I, I was angry, I was hurting, and I was confused, and I was lost, and I just dumped on Jesus. And I gave him the ugly truth of what was going on in my heart and mind and what I was feeling and thinking. And you know, at the end, Jesus didn't turn me away. He didn't reject me. Not at all. He let me spill my guts out to him. And at the end, I knew his arms were still wide open to me. He still accepted me. And the truth of that verse in 1 Peter just came alive to me. You guys probably all know this verse, but it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let me ask you a question. How much anxiety are we supposed to cast on him? All of it. And why? Because he cares for us. He cares for you. And when we come to Jesus with all the ugly truth of our lives, he doesn't reject us. No, he offers us the beauty of his acceptance. And that's exactly what this woman experienced when she dumped her whole story on him. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 34, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now I think we could probably preach three sermons on just that response. But I want you to notice something. What does he call her? He calls her daughter. And I love that he calls her daughter. And why do I think that's so special? Because here's why. God not only wants to heal her physically, He wants to heal her emotionally. And 12 years of suffering can do a lot of emotional damage. Remember last week when I told you how her life must have been with this sickness? I mean, people looked at her as if God were rejecting her. As if God were somehow punishing her. Back then, if you were sick for a long time and you weren't healed, God, it would just appear that God had it out for you. And it was basically looked upon as if He were rejecting you. You were no longer His child and He was no longer your God. You were a reject and your sickness proved it. And I'm sure this woman lived for 12 years with this stamp placed upon her. You are a reject. An outcast. But Jesus undoes all of that and says, no, you aren't. You're a daughter. You're a daughter. A daughter of God. You belong. You're not a reject. You belong to the family of God. You're not an outcast. You're a daughter. And you need to know that your heavenly Father loves you. And I'll bet that simple little title that Jesus speaks over her hit her like a tidal wave, like she experienced God's love like she never experienced before. It was like God was giving her one great big hug, and let me tell you, she desperately needed that. And she would have missed that if she'd have just touched his cloak and ran off. But she was a daughter, she belonged. I remember when I was a youth pastor, and uh, this was, seems like ages ago, but there was a young girl that came to youth group, and she came to know the Lord, and she became a follower of Jesus. And 
And her life was just pretty messed up. She had a lot of things going on that were just devastating. She was in my office one time, and she was meeting with me. And she says, you know, Luke, um, when I was born, my biological father, he, he ran off, and he abandoned us. And I still, to this day, I don't know who he is. I've never met him. So I just grew up without a father. And when I was about 10 or 11 years old, my mom got a boyfriend, and she married him. And I was so excited because finally I was going to have a daddy and I was going to be able to call someone father and dad. And I was going to be his daughter. And When they got married, this man did such evil things to me that I don't even want to talk about. She goes, I realized I couldn't call this man my dad because he was far from it. She goes, and then I came to youth group and I, you guys introduced me to Jesus and you introduced me to my heavenly father. And she says, you know, now for the first time in my life, I realize I have a father, and I can call him daddy, and I am his daughter, and I belong. And she said, that is the most beautiful truth that I can ever hang on to in my life. And you know, I'll never forget that conversation. There's nothing like the feeling of belonging, especially when it comes to the family of God. And this woman in the story needed to be reminded that she was a daughter. A daughter of God. And I wonder this morning, do you need to be reminded of that? Do you need to know that you belong? Do do you feel like an outsider or a reject? Do you feel like you're the one that it seems like everybody just thinks God is ignoring you and rejecting you? Because if that's how you feel, you need to hear something this morning. You you need to experience something this morning. And rather than me just tell you, I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to let the Word of God tell you this. I want you just to let it soak in. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says this, I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and my daughters says the Lord Almighty. Amen. You know, I don't know why I'm just sharing this, but in my Bible, it's kind of funny, but when I read this verse, it's like God is saying to me, Luke, I am your father. (laughs) That's what I feel like. And it's true. Guys, think about it. The Lord Most High, the Lord Almighty, is our Father. Amen? That's awesome. And you need to hear that this morning. We belong to the family of God. God wanted us in a relationship with Him, so much so that He pursued us to make that possible. And you know what? We can come to him with all the ugly truth of our lives. And and you know what? He will accept us. He won't reject us. He'll accept us and he'll love us. And he'll give us the title of sons and daughters of God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in the midst of a storm, I need to hear that over and over and over again. I need to experience that. And it's my sense that there are many of us in this room who need to hear that and experience that as well. We are sons and daughters of God. Well, guys, this story is far from over. So here's what your homework is for this week. I want you to read the remainder of the story. 
If you could do it several times, that'd be great. Don't rush this. I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit to show you anything new in the story, anything special, or anything that might be applicable to you. I'd encourage you to try to find some connections between these two stories that intersect. Okay, it's weird, but there are some there. If you dig and you think about it, there's some, there's some uh, um, ideas that are connected between these two individuals. And then I want you to meditate on this story this whole week and prepare for next week's sermon. And if you want to, send me an email what God showed you, because I love reading what God showed you. I think it's pretty cool. Well, let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story. I thank you for this woman who, she shows up in no more than maybe ten verses. And then she walks off the pages of this Bible to never be heard from again, and yet her story has had ripple effects for centuries in the body of Christ. And it's even impacted us this morning. And God, I know that there are people here this morning like that woman who we just feel like we're outsiders, we're outcasts, we don't belong. And I pray this morning that you, your Holy Spirit, would just minister to their hearts and minds and let them know that you love them. And they can come to you with the whole ugly truth of their life. And you're going to meet them with open arms. And they're going to come to find out that it was you pursuing them the whole time anyways. And may they experience the truth of the fact that they are your sons and your daughters. And you are our Father. In Jesus' name, amen.